take hope. I have power over the world. Say that with me. I have power over the world. Say it again. I have power over the world. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. God wants us to look at money correctly. In your notes, as you have already scoured through them, which I pray you have, you will find out that I am talking today about faith and finances. And I purposely left in your notes this statement, and I want you to look at it. Peace is something that we need almost more than we need anything. How many would say amen? There is so much stress in life, and anything that will relieve stress is welcome. I would love to be able to just say boom and poof and Bang, all your troubles are gone. But Jesus said that's not going to happen in the world. In John 16, he said, I've told you these things that you may have peace. How? In me. And look what Jesus says. In this world, you're going to have problems. You're going to have much trouble. How many say, I knew that before I ever read that passage? But look what it says here. Take hope. I have power over the world. Say that with me. I have power over the world. Say it again. I have power over the world. Who has that power? Christ in you. That means If Christ is in you, you have that authority. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments because we have a a long preliminary in our service. I'm going to cut this down, but I'm going to try to get all of the major points because I want to talk to you on a subject today that most pastors shun away from. As it is likely... the number one area that causes stress and distress in lives. That's why most pastors don't want to talk about it. It's because enough people have enough issues with money. 
They don't want the preacher to get up there and start talking about it because they think, as I get further down the notes, that's all that preacher talks about. Folks, if you've been a part of Victoria's life at any length of time, you know I talk about lots of things. How many appreciate the fact that your pastor covers the whole gospel? Are you glad that I cover the whole gospel? Well, folks, this is part of the gospel. And this is the part that most churches shun from, but it's one of the areas that devastates the church. When I talk about the church this way, I'm not talking about the church corporate. I'm talking about church personal. Every individual life is affected by this medium called money. So I want to make a statement. It's in your notes. God is interested in our money. Not because he needs it, but because he knows that you and I do. And he understands the weight that its involvement, or listen to this, or lack of, has in our lives. This is why, when you look through Scripture, the Lord spoke about the subject of money and possessions more than anything else he spoke about in Scripture. And let me tell you why. And I put it on the screen. I want you to hear this. He knew we'd need to know how to conquer our possessions lest our possessions conquer us. This is the whole reason for Financial Peace University. Dave, Dave Ramsey, I love his ministry. I loved his, his predecessor's ministry, who he basically picked all this up from, a man by the name of Larry Burkett. Some of you are old enough to remember him. He died suddenly. He was quite young. Went home to be with the Lord, and Dave Ramsey, you know, was a, was a student. He'd learned, and, and he'd just taken it to the next level, and an incredible job he's done with this ministry. But his whole purpose to help people understand how to conquer finances before finances conquer us. And he does it through God's word. I told you that Jesus said he spoke about money more than anything. Look at, look at the scripture. It's, a, it's uncomfortable when the preacher talks about it, which is why many don't. Here, most would not have liked Jesus' preaching. Let me tell you why. He shared 36 parables. 16 of those parables directly dealt with finances. 16 of those parables. Almost half of everything he spoke about in parables had to do with money. Listen to this. One out of every 10 New Testament verses deals with the subject of money and our attitude towards it. Let me continue. 272 verses the Bible says that Jesus shares about belief. 473 verses, Jesus talks about faith. 714 verses in the New Testament that Jesus speaks on money, or excuse me, on love. 371 times Jesus speaks about prayer. But listen to this, 2,162 plus Verses, he speaks directly about finances. Do you think he's trying to tell us something? Money is a real issue. And this is why Jesus' words are proclaimed in Matthew 6, 24. It's on the screen. You can't serve two masters. I remember my oldest daughter 
we were growing up and she was learning how to tithe and she was having struggles and she was having difficulties. And she came to me one day and she said, Dad, I know why I have such trouble in my life in Jesus. And I said, okay, daughter, I am think she's being real serious. And she said, Dad, I know why. And I said, okay, honey, what is it? She said, I can't serve two masters, you and mom. <laughs> Tim Masters, master. Okay, some of you will get it when you leave today. Okay. Yeah. But look what the scripture says. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. When I looked into the original language, it says that this way, you cannot yield subservience to both God and money. One or the other has to be your master. Jesus or jewels? Not jewel, money. Jewels. Okay. My humor is going really bad today, so that's fine. So once again, before somebody might say this preacher only talks about his money, I talk about lots of stuff, folks, that pertains to living a victorious Christian life. This is just one of those critical areas, as Matthew so wonderfully did when he got up here. You, you want to talk about it? There's a, there's a lot of people that have gone through financial peace that have turned their financial equation around. Is it perfect? Are they still make mistakes? Yes. But the reality is they have a better handle on it today than they did yesterday. Money is something we use every day. And in one way or another, our very survival depends on it. So it bears to ask, how can Jesus be Lord at all if he's not Lord of all? And we have to let him be Lord of our Resources, our finances, our money. Because I've learned that he so cares about my life. The fact that finances are so tied to my natural survival, resources of every kind. This is why the word of God tells us we got to be careful what grabs a hold of our heart. Look at Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is. And I went into the original language. It says that's where your heart will be. When you go into the original language, it literally says that is where the desires of your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. What you focus and becomes the the, the goal of your life. That's where your desires Number one, real quick, the attitude that surrounds money. Money has a controlling power in our lives. There's this, there's this, this edgy question that always comes to mind when I talk about this subject. And that very simply is, when we have money, do we have it or does it really have us? I want to take a quick look at how Jesus dealt with the issue of who controls who when it comes to the area of finances. The title of this sermon is Conquerors in Our Finances Through Faith. This is not something you're just going to do in the natural. This is a step of faith where you sit down and say, okay, God, you are Lord of all. 
That means everything in my life, you have to have the say in, not me. Mark chapter 12 talks about a little elder woman. We call her just simply the widow. And the Bible talks about her mites, two little mites, which are the equivalent of less than a penny, if you were to look at it in today's society. But the Bible says that Jesus was watching their tithing and giving. When you look at it in the original language, he was talking to the people. They were at the temple. They were doing their tithing and their giving, which is two separate things biblically. And the Bible says Jesus was so interested, everything else was going on, all he did was watch what they were giving. See, God is very interested in what you give and what you keep. Look at this. Man, I love preaching on money. It gets really quiet. It's it just, shh. He looked and he saw the Pharisees. He saw the others giving large offerings. And I'm not going to take time to read the passage, but he basically said in Mark 12, he said, they gave of their abundance. She gave her all. She gave her all. You know, it's easy if I have $1,000 to give $10. It's easy if I, if I have a million dollars to give $1,000. But what if I was to do the real tithe? If I had a million dollars to give $100,000, that would be 10%. I love God. He's so, he's so simple. He didn't tell us your tithe will be 6.2578%. He said 10%. How many know what 10% of a dollar is? Go ahead, yell it out. What is it? 10% of $10. 10% of $100. 10% of $1,000. Now ask yourself if you're really tithing or not. Okay. <clears throat> that wasn't even in my notes. I just put it right there. Free. He said, it's easy to give when you got all, but it's not as easy to give when you give all. He said the attitude towards money is really critical. Look at the unjust steward in, in Luke chapter 16. Once again, it's not on the screen, and, but you can go and study it yourself. Look what he told the unjust steward. The, 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 the uh, passage basically talks about this guy who, who demanded everything from somebody else but wouldn't take care of the things he's supposed to take care of himself. And look what Jesus said. He said, how can you be trusted with the money that God wants to give you the true riches, the true glory, the true plans and purposes of God if you won't be faithful in the simple things that you do have already. God said our attitude towards money is critical. Look at Matthew chapter 19. We find the passage about the rich young ruler. He asked Jesus, what do I have to do to be saved? Look at Jesus' response. He said, sell everything. Give it away and come follow me. What did he do? He left. Despondent, discouraged. Why? Listen to what the Bible teaches. Listen. It says he did that because his riches were great. See, it's not that he couldn't. It's that he wouldn't because he was serving a different master. Are you hearing me today? Jesus throughout the scripture says our attitude towards money is imperative. 
This is what Financial Peace University is all about. See, clearly, God is interested in our money. If not, why? 2,000 plus times he's dealing directly or indirectly with our finances, our possessions. As I was putting this series together, this is part of our More Than Conqueror series, and I came to this part, I started thinking, okay, okay, I'm going to deal with money. Oh, I know it's going to come across really. Okay, God. And God just says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I said, okay, God, it's your deal. And then he took me to Ecclesiastes. I love Ecclesiastes. Solomon is one of the wisest men that ever lived, if not the wisest man. And you know what he does in Ecclesiastes chapter 10? He gives this whole example of money when people cling to it becomes a mockery. And look what it says in verse 19. Money answers everything. These people that are consumed by finances, consumed by resources, they think money answers everything. Now, don't get nervous because some people in here think I could do more if I had more. Now, folks, I've been rich. I've been poor. I do like rich better. But the reality is I've learned wherever I am to be content. Why? Because it's an issue. Do I have it or does it have me? Now, I'm going to take you into 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I'm going to read verse 10, the verse that we all know very well. It says these words, the root of all these evils is the love of money. Now, I've been teaching on how to study the Bible. We ended that series that last Wednesday night. And I talked to you about going into different languages and different the nuances of the scripture to, to get the depths of what it means. Well, if you look in your notes, I am reading this out of the Aramaic Bible. The Aramaic language was the language besides Hebrew that Jesus would have spoke while he was here on earth. Many people spoke that language. So I thought, what would be interesting to do to go in there and look at what does this passage say in the Aramaic Bible? If you've been in our Wednesday night class, you can go into the Bible Hub program or the Bible Study Tools program, just like I said. You can take it in context, and you can drill down into the original language, and you can find the Aramaic, okay? But look what it says here. The root of all these evils... If you read verses 7, 8, and 9, it literally ties money, the love of money, to everything in your life. We thought it's just about that greenback in our pocket or whatever color our money is today. It used to be greenbacks. Look what it says. The root of all these evils, literally the things that we desire is the love of money. And look what it says. And there are some who have desired it so much, they've even turned away from God. They've erred from their faith and brought much misery to themselves. How many know people that are so, they, they, they hoard their possessions so much, try to pry something out of their hands? I've shared this in our church before. But years ago, I was teaching on this subject, and I often wondered why the highest, one of the highest suicide rate in young people are in the very wealthy. 
Did you know that? So I started studying it, looking at it, and I said, what is it? And he said, many of those that have it become misers of it. And they just heap to themselves more and more. And they'll do just about anything. My wife and I were watching a a news show the other day. These three men shared in this multi, multi, multi multi-million dollar corporation. So miserly did they become that two of them conspired together to kill the third one so they could have more. They had multi, multi, multi multi-millions. And I don't remember watching the movie. Did they catch the guys? Oh, I know it's a true story, but did they catch him? No. But the thing, look at this. They had everything. And so God began to tell me, why do people a lot of times that have the wrong perspective of money, whether they have much or whether they have little, they become miserable? And then he took me to that. He said, what's the root word to miserable? Miser. They have to get more and more. See, God tells us that our attitude toward faith and finances are critical. So if all, let's look at the, if all evil in this world is directly or indirectly traced back to the love of money, wouldn't this mean that there is an issue to how we deal with what we possess before it possesses us? Second thing, quickly, the, de- the defeat that surrounds our finances Someone else is interested in our money besides God. His name is Satan. And I want you to listen to this because this is one of those revelations that God gave me in this area of finances. This is why for my wife and I, if we have much, we have little. We do okay. It doesn't mean that we don't have frustrations. We, we're remodeling our house with Bill, Bill, uh, Bill, uh, yeah, whatever his last name is, Weaver. <laughs> Bill is, is leading up the, the, the remodel of our house. Most of you know we sold our old house. We're now living in our fifth wheel. We're now living in our fifth wheel. We're now, <laughs> we've been there about four months already. And it's all fine because it takes a long time to do it correctly. And uh, we had a meeting with Bill last night, and we were going over the numbers. And as we were going over the numbers, my wife was saying, okay, okay, okay. And I was sitting there going, wasn't I, Bill? Yeah, Bill's just sitting there with a big smile. Yeah. And my wife said, honey, we knew this was what it's going to be, but it doesn't make it any different. Whether you have much, whether you have little, you have to understand, okay, God, this is your deal. And that's at the end of it, her and I prayed. We said, this is your deal. And so God is going to put it all together. We can have victory or defeat when it comes to our finances. How do we become defeated? Listen to this. Satan desires to keep us under a curse. I'm going to use that hard word. And in bondage, being obsessed by something that's supposed to be possessed. We can become obsessed at what something costs or doesn't cost, how something looks or doesn't look. We get something wrong, you know, with something, and all of a sudden we start looking at the dollar signs. 
instead of saying, God, aren't you the one that has to provide this? Now, quickly, I want to I go through this as, as succinctly as I can. Malachi chapter 3. And I, it's going to be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, you need to look at this stuff, okay? I'm reading out the New Living Translation. The King James and many other places talks about robbery. When you're not putting God first, you're robbing God. I liked the way that the New Living Translation went back into the original language and said it this way. Should people cheat God? And he said, but you've cheated me. How do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? He cheated me out of tithes and offerings. Okay? Robbery, we kind of will get an idea that I went and stole something that wasn't mine. That's what we think of when it's robbery. Well, it's the same concept in cheating, but cheating is when we think something is ours and we're not doing what we're supposed to do with it. We're cheating the system. Have you ever done that? And so that's why I like the way that this was written. Listen, listen to what it says here. You've cheated me in tithes and offerings. And then what are the next words? It's on the screen. You are under a curse. Oh, that's, not, that's Old Testament. What did Pastor Philemon say when he was up here? We're going to get into this in just a minute, folks. That curse becomes very real. And that curse is why most struggle no matter how much you have. Listen to me, no matter how much you have. This is why God says, bring the tithe into the storehouse, the local church, that there'll be food in my house. I've explained this before. Me buying groceries and taking them to Pastor Philemon's house, that blesses him, that's wonderful, but that's not my house. So it doesn't help my house. So a lot of people, well, I'm going to tithe to TBN, or I'm going to tithe to this place, and I'm going to Well, you try to call Paul Crouch in the middle of the night when you're struggling. You try to call this place that you're sending all your... Folks, fine, do all that, but that's not your tithe. Let's go on. If you do, says the Lord, I will open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing there won't be room enough to contain. And then he says, try me. That's what Matthew Bennett did. He put God to the test. Working pretty good, isn't it, Matthew? Put me to... The only place in the word of God where God says you can test him. Every place else, God said, don't you tempt me. He said, test me, test me. See, the way, the way Satan does this is he get us, gets us and our finances to negatively affect us. Instead of using it for what God intended, finances are a medium of benefit. Our benefit has now become a clutch of detriment. Okay, let me take you to the book of Haggai or Haggai, or however you want to pronounce it. I pronounce it Haggai. Or if you're a John Hagee fan, you can call it the book of Hagee. Okay, maybe not the same. Chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, look what it says. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You see, we'd like to blame somebody else for what's happening in the area of our finances, our resources, our, our life, our living. But look what God says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you're never full. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse that has holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, interesting, the passage here is written 
about Solomon's temple and people's houses. When you read the whole passage in context, once again, that's how you read the Bible in context. It's talking about the people. You're putting all this money into your house and my house sets in shambles. God says, give careful thought to your ways. He said, you've got a perspective issue. You're thinking it's all about you. God said, no, take care of my house. I'll take care of your house. Anybody here remember flypaper? Maybe you still have. They still make flypaper? Maybe it's that little thing. You, you buy it and you pull it down. And it's a little curly cue. And they put a, a honey substance on this. And this is what it's like when we have this issue with money. This little curly thing is hanging from the fl- ceiling. And that fly is looking at it and said, man, it's sweet. It's honey-like. But he doesn't realize it's also very sticky. The simple premise is the fly approaches it, and he says these words, I want the honey, I want the honey, I want the honey, I want the honey, I want the honey. And he thinks nobody's looking, and he goes and gets it. Begins to eat and says, oh, I got the honey, I got the honey, I got the honey, I got the honey. And then he tries to leave. And the fly piper starts to say, I got the fly, I got the fly, I got the fly, I got the fly. See, that's just what money does. When we see nothing else matters, only me, myself, and I, it's not long before it has us, and we no longer have it. I love watching those videos where the young person said, I paid off my mortgage, I've paid off everything. Now I can travel the world. I can do the things I want to do. One of the things that Dave Ramsey teaches adamantly is that if you want to do your life the way God wants you to do, your giving has to be at the very top because that's what releases the blessings of God. You see, just like the fly, too many have a wrong attitude. This is how Satan works. We get a wrong attitude towards money. And people today run around saying, I want the money, I want the money, I want the money. Pretty soon they say, I got the money, I got the money, I got the money. And then pretty soon they don't even know how it happened. But a little voice from their pocketbook yells out, I got them, I got them, I got them. This is why God is so interested that we have a right attitude towards the things we have. Because if we don't, it'll wind up having us. Can I hear you say amen? And in reverse, this is why Satan is so interested in our money and possessions. Except he wants us to be possessed. That he can keep us under the curse instead of under God's blessing. When we have the wrong attitude towards our finances, this is where we get and remain under the curse that Malachi is talking about. We take what belongs to God. Pastor Philemon once again touched on it. Everything the Bible says is the Lord's. Everything belongs to him. And we try to make it ours. Isn't that the original lie that Satan bought or got Eve and Adam to buy. He said you could have anything in the garden. Does it all belong to you? 
No, God said the tree in the middle, that's mine. Don't touch it. Or excuse me, don't eat it. He said you can touch it. God has no problem with you having it. The issue becomes when it has us. Adam and Eve bought the lie, and ultimately it defeated them in the promise of God's provision. How does this happen? Because not only God God and Satan are interested in our money, we are. And so the enemy knows if he can get our perspective changed, he can destroy the prosperity and blessing and promise that God has. Most, sadly, even Christians are more interested in what money can do for them than what they can do with money if it's properly used. Let me take you to some some, uh, recent studies. Most studies reveal that 3 to 7% of the church is all that give. I didn't say tithe. All that give. That's total. That's giving and tithing. That's everything. 3 to 7%. And those who do tithe, tithe less than 5%. Well, if you look at it biblically, that's not even a tithe. That's an offering. Because tithe is 10%. This is what's called incomplete obedience or cheating God. In o- disobedience, listen to me, excuse me, obedience isn't about church average. It's about doing right before God. That's what obedience is about. What do I mean by doing right before God? Let's look at Malachi 3.7 says we don't give to God. It says we return to God what is already his. It's already his. See, that's why I like that, that, that passage in NLT version in Malachi 3, then the term robbing. Because robbing thinks, well, I, I'm taking something that doesn't belong to me. I'm just going out and stealing something. And God says, no, you think it belongs to you, so it means you're cheating me we have this mindset that all of this that we have belongs to us i got a nice truck i got my wife's nice truck i've got our 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 fifth wheel trailer i've got our home i've got different possessions but you know what every piece of it could burn up tomorrow and you know what my what my wife and i would do praise the lord let's move on why it doesn't belong to us so it's easy to give it all away. In this room, I could break it down in varying views, but I think it would come out something like this. In this room, you might have a third of the room that would say, it's all mine. I've earned it. I deserve it. And I can do what I want to with it. When the offering plate goes by, I can give if I want to. But if I don't want to, I won't. If I feel led, I will. But if I don't feel led, I won't. See, that's the mindset of a group of people in this room. Another group of those people will say the tithe is God's. I'm obedient. I give 10% and the rest is mine to do anything I want to with it. Well, there's a third group. And that are the ones that understand it all belongs to God. The tithe, I return to him, just like he said. But he then entrusts me with the 90%. Just because I return the tithe, doesn't give me the right to do whatever I want with the rest. It still belongs to him, and he calls me to be a steward over all of his 
money. Let me wrap this up this morning. What is the faith involved in our finances? Remember I talked about the curse? I'm going to take you all the way back to the very beginning and say why you have trouble with your finances, even if you are giving or if you are tithing, but it's not your heart. It's just because that's what you're supposed to do. God's pretty interested in the heart. That's why, as Pastor Philemon said, he wants a cheerful giver. Okay, so let's look at this. God has made our faith and our finances very specific if we want to operate under his blessings. If not, we find ourselves under the same curse that Adam and Eve found when they fell. Do you know why you hate going to work? Even though God created us to work? Listen to me. Let's go to the original curse. To the man said, he said, because you listen to the wife. Now, I know some of you guys are going to say, see, I told you. No. Listen to the passage. Because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. Now, take in your notes there and circle that word commanded. Because most people don't think that tithing has anything to do with the commandments. I'm going to show you today in Scripture, it has everything to do with the commandments. Remember how quiet it was earlier? I just felt it go. That balloon kind of just sucked. Because we think, well, it's not written in the Ten Commandments, so it, you know, I don't have to worry about it. Really. Look what it says. This is why we hate to work. The ground is cursed. Look what he said. Because of you. God said, because you disobeyed, I cursed the ground. Why? From now on, all your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. You hear what the word of God says? But I don't believe that. I'm a grace person. Praise the Lord. I won't say what I just thought. I will leave that go so Pastor Philemon won't look at me. Look what it says here. We are scratching a living from something that's cursed because of us. Let me go to the 13th verse of Galatians chapter 3. Look at this. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You see, preacher, I told you it was all taken care of. May we continue. Jesus paid the price to redeem us from the curse. Yet, we can still choose to live without the blessing of obedience because of disobedience. And we find that all recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Remember the promise of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham? Blessed are you if you keep my word. I love that, 14 verses of blessing. 
Did you know there's 65 verses of cursing? Because we choose to disobey. Remember, though Jesus fulfilled the law at Calvary, he did not do away with the law. We are delivered under his sacrifice, but obedience is still required to see the blessing. Folks, if it was just when Jesus hung at Calvary, and that's all that have to happen, is say, okay, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, and go do what I want to do, did he die for any reason? No, the Bible says, you got to come to me. You've got to live for me. You've got to accept me as your Savior and Lord. Savior saves. Lord controls. How many can still say amen today? So let me take you into Matthew 5. And I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. Listen to what it says. Once again, I, I, I love going back to the original language because I want to see what I'm saying is correct. And then I want to get it out of a version, a, a scripture reference that you guys can see and go look for yourself. Look what it says. Don't misunderstand why I've come. Jesus is speaking. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until it is all achieved. Literally, all things are accomplished. So listen, if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean that even though maybe I'm not tithing, I can still go to heaven? That's a between you and God thing. I can find lots of scriptures say one way or the other. But I look at this thing and think, okay, God, you overlook some of the things in our lives. But look at this. But anyone who obeys, excuse me, but anyone who teaches that it's okay will be called least in the kingdom. God's going to hold me accountable for not teaching this. Anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be great in the kingdom. The only place, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew 23, 23. It's going to be on the screen. The only place Jesus commended the Pharisees was in their tithing. Think about it. The only thing the most religious people did faithfully with tithe. Why? Because they knew God's word commanded them to tithe. Well, it doesn't command. Let's go to Matthew 23. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Listen to this. What sorrow awaits you teachers and religious law of religious law and you Pharisees? You hypocrites. You're, you're careful to tithe. This is Jesus speaking to the religious people, to the rulers of the day. Listen, you're careful to tithe even the tiniest of your herb gardens. You know you're supposed to do this. Listen to what he says. But you, listen, ignore the more important aspects of what? So tithing has nothing to do with the law, and Jesus just said it did. 
Now, love, faith, justice, mercy. He said that's the critical stuff. Look what he said here. You should tithe, but don't neglect the more important things either. Sounds to me like Jesus said tithing has to do with the law too. Oh, yeah. Thank you, honey. That was Pastor Honey told me. Uh, that's my wife. That's in the New Testament. You, you folks that I just took through studying the Bible, go study it yourself. The only place Jesus commended the ultra-religious was in their tithing. He said, that's an aspect of the law. I've taught in this church over the years. I've taken you all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, where tithing began 700 years before the law. And it was kept and instituted from the very beginning. God said, this is how you control it, and it can never control you. So today, Today, as the worship team comes, God's word, I'm not talking about salvation. I, I read this, and I'm thinking, okay, God, if I'm reading this correctly, if I don't tithe, okay, I, I don't know that I won't go to heaven. I think I will. But why go to heaven living with such struggle on earth? He said, I give you life, and that more abundant We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about provision and protection. We're talking about breaking the curse. God has to be first in all areas. This is the way we become more than conquerors. Whether we believe it or not, listen to this, our finances can become just as important to God as our faith. Why? Because one can nullify our faith according to his word. Sadly, many Christians today commit what I like to call a type of financial suicide because they won't tithe. They won't let God be fully in charge. When you go to this financial piece, one of the reasons that we brought into this with Dave Ramsey, once again, because I was, I was firmly committed to David Burkett, or Larry Burkett, but when we jumped into this with Dave Ramsey. He had all the exact same principles, but he would not veer one iota from the Word of God. And he closes every single day of his broadcast. There's only one way to truly walk in financial peace, and that is to walk with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Today, tell God He's in charge of your finances. You may have to take a step of faith to do this. You may have never done it before, but it's time to step out and say, God, it's yours. I'm returning to you what is yours, and I'm trusting you in everything else because it literally is a trust fund. And you know what happens? Let me take you back to Malachi. I love this 
He said, if you will put me first, he said, I will rebuke the devourer for you. Folks, I don't know about you, but when I got God rebuking the devil, I'm a happy camper. And God said, in this area, you want to break the curse and be under the blessing? Start obeying. He said, the Pharisees did it, and they were the worst. But they understood what the Word of God commanded. And tithing is in there. Literally, what Malachi is saying, if you'll be faithful to me, the Lord, I will provide and protect everything you have. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you. God, in this world, we, as Christians, we don't like this area. There's been a lot of corruption in the church in the area of finances. There's been a lot of preachers that tell you, well, if you'll make a seed offering and get a, I understand the principle I understand but that's not what you tell us to do many have done many things to coerce people into giving but God you don't coerce us at all matter of fact you said if you can't give cheerfully don't even give you said you're not interested in what we don't have God, you said in your word you're interested in what we do have. Just like that widow's might. You stood at the temple usury looking at the people as they gave to make a point to the disciples. It wasn't how much they gave because countless gave tons more than this little widow woman did. But she gave her all. She gave her heart. Just like the church at Philippi in Macedonia. They first gave themselves. God, today, you gave us Jesus. You gave us Jesus. You loved us so much that you gave us Jesus. God, what's the least that we could do is to give us all, give her all, everything to you. Heads are bowed and eyes closed. In the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, God, today, just like every day, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus You can have all this world Just give me Jesus As the music plays softly, heads are bowed and eyes closed I just want to take a moment and I want to open these altars Maybe you're here and you're saying Okay, I've trust God in everything. But God, I've learned today 
that obedience is not a passing whim. It's not a momentary activity. It's a daily commitment. And today, if you need to come, and I'm not just talking about finances, I'm talking about your whole life. You see where God is tugging on you and you're holding back things. And you're saying, Lord, I want you to be Lord of all. Just quickly, before we change the order of this service, if you'd come. Maybe you're here, you don't even know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you say, the last thing I want to know about is finances, coming to church and hear about that. Well, as you listen today, you realize it's about your whole life, not just your finances. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've turned away from him, your heart's grown cold, I wonder if you get up out of your chair, come find a place at this altar. I'd love to pray with you. But for whatever reason you come, I would ask you to give your whole life to Jesus. When I come to die, yes, when I come to die, you know, a church, on that day, when I come to die, all that's going to matter is this one thing that I have Jesus in my whole life. Give me Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet in this building, would you? Pastor Ray, as you come. Jesus, you can have all this world. Give me Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.